Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. We hope this week's message encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you so much for being here with us today or joining us online if you're with us online. And uh, just want to say thanks in advance for your help of, of wearing masks and social distancing and doing all those things. We want to help take care of each other. There's over 15 people from our church right now that are affected by COVID. Uh, and we want to do the best to not only take care of them and help others, but also be able to continue to meet as a church. And so I appreciate your, your help in advance of, of doing the things that maybe none of us want to do, um, but it's not really about us anyways. And so we really appreciate that and are so thankful for you and the chance to be here today. Uh, next week, we start our Thanksgiving offering, and you can give online to that or put it in the boxes back behind you. There's a card in front of your seats or online. There's a, a section of the website that's dedicated to explaining all the different ways in which we help to do some good. And so you're going to hear this morning about a, a person who's doing good, and it can seem often outlandish and crazy and, and just incredible, but some people are called to do things like that, and some people are called to do good in other ways, and one of the ways you can do that is through our Thanksgiving offering. And so I appreciate um, just thinking and praying about that of the, of the like seven different ways in which you can help out over the next couple of weeks through the Thanksgiving offering. But uh, today we have a special guest with us. It's easy to talk about doing good, and that's a, a buzzword that seems to come up. But this young man is in the process of doing good, and I know that he's mad at me already for saying that. Um, but Jordan is going to come and share with us. He grew up here. Many of you know his story. But we thought it would be so helpful to um, hear a little bit about what God's done in his life, but also kind of the reason why we would seek to do good in the first place. And he's going to share that with us this morning. So if you would, help me welcome JB here to Westbridge. Thanks. Is this where I need to be? Am I good? Perfect. Well, hey, good morning, Westbridge Church. I love this church. I love you guys. Uh, Y'all are like family. I don't get as nervous because I feel like it's just a big family reunion every time I'm here. But it is a joy uh, to be here with you guys today. Uh, And also a very sudden surprise, if I'm honest. Uh, Last week, Pastor John called and he asked if I would be able to preach on the 29th of this month. So, you know, I had a lot more time to think and and pray through that. Uh, But then on Wednesday evening, he called me and he asked if I could possibly preach on this Sunday instead, uh, as he is now having to enter this dreaded quarantine phase that we are all, uh, we've been bombarded with over these last months. So here I am, and it is a great privilege and an honor to be able to um, come up here and share my story and open up the Word of God with you this morning. Uh, Last I heard, uh, Tam is doing uh, okay. She's getting a lot better, uh, and yeah, we're thankful for that uh, as she's uh, wrestling with this thing that we've all, again, been bombarded with. So let's just continue to keep them and everyone else in the church family in our prayers um, as they battle this. So in light of the short notice, I, I'm going to do my best to, to not be too confusing and all over the place. So, so bear with me. But, but what I'm going to be doing today is, uh, is Pastor John, he asked me if I could come and, and, and share my story with you as you guys are in this series, Let's Do Some Good. And um, though I don't feel like a, a sufficient example of goodness or, or doing good, I, 
I'm, I'm here to share my story. And I know a lot of you have maybe heard my story or read my story, so I, I pray that this is not uh, redundant or repetitive in any way. But I'm going to share my story, and then I just want to bookend it with two passages. I'm just going to, um, the first passage that we're going to look at is Matthew 27, 24 to 27, as it's about, um, yeah, it's about how we, uh, how the Word of God is, is a, a solid foundation for us to put our hope in, and that we should not just be hearing the Word of God, but that we should be doing it. And then, and then finally, we're just going to look at uh, the, the passage right above it, uh, verses 21 to 23, as it points to the importance of not just uh, doing good, apart from truly knowing and abiding in the Lord. That the Lord's concern is actually about knowing us. Uh, and and uh, so before we try to do a bunch of stuff for him, uh, that our hearts need to be rooted in a real relationship uh, with the Lord. That we should not put our hope in the works that we do or the good that we do, for they don't save us, right? They're, they're not our means to salvation, but, but as we focus on a real relationship with Jesus, works are what will always result. So um, if all I had this morning, if I had the time, I would read the whole Sermon on the Mount uh, to you because I think it's amazing. Uh, because I don't have that time, I'm just going to challenge you guys as a church, and this might seem crazy or absurd, but I want you guys, if, if you will, the next week, just spend every day, uh, read the Sermon on the Mount every day. It's three chapters, read it every day for the next week. And again, you might say, well, why would we ever do that? And it's really good to marinate in, in Scripture. Don't just read it, but do it every day for a week, and it'll, it'll, yeah, just trust me. So before I get started, let's pray. Father, would you bring clarity to any confusion, and would you speak uh, and, and do what I cannot do? Would you open ears to hear and hearts to receive uh, what you have prepared this morning? Help me, Lord, for I am insufficient for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what a year. What a year it has been. 2020 is a year that none of us will forget, though we might really want to. Uh, I think if we're honest, each and every one of us in this room would, would willingly admit that this year has been hard. It has been hard. And if you're anything like me, I can assume that a lot of you that are sitting in these seats today are tired. You're tired. Uh, maybe feeling like you are barely holding on. You're, you're, you're tired of the political back and forth that we're seeing. You're tired of the unrest we're seeing. You're, you're tired from seeing so much wickedness just maybe overlooked and covered up. You're tired from the mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional strain that, that this year has had on you and your family. You're tired from all the uncertainties about what's going to happen next. You're tired of masks and viruses and quarantines and shutdowns. Tired of having no sense of normalcy or rhythm at all. It's been hard to, it's, it's hard to keep doing good whenever you're tired, right? On the basis of my own experience, I can assume that this season has brought forth confusion. Maybe dryness to your soul. Maybe doubt in your heart. Maybe you've seen yourself drift far more than you ever thought you would. Maybe it's caused anxiety or aimlessness or depression as everything seems to just be warring against us seeing Christ rightly in 2020. 
what I've found is that the seasons like these, they, they reveal a lot about our hearts. They reveal a lot about our, our hearts, that we are we're actually so prone towards morbid introspection and self-centeredness and forgetfulness, right? We, we're all prone to be short-sighted uh, about where we're headed and what we're to be doing as we, uh, as we go. We're all prone to believe wrongly about God, wrongly about ourselves, wrongly about our neighbors, wrongly about our circumstances as we're bombarded with so many distractions and lies each day that we live. We're prone to grumble and to groan when life isn't going our way. We're prone towards self-salvation and self-righteousness, crazy enough, in times such as these. Ultimately, we're prone towards unbelief and idolatry as we often believe that worshiping something, worshiping and trusting something other than God is somehow going to fulfill the, the gap in our hearts. And even each of us, whether you feel like you have just nailed 2020 or, or not, we desperately need to be reminded of the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. And we need to refocus ourselves on the truth of his word. So let's read Matthew 7, 24 to 27. It says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on a rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does, does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. There are a few reasons I wanted to read that passage. First, I just wanted you to think about this. What, what I have found, that uh, for the reason of this season being so hard for me and for you, uh, is potentially because, not because of our crazy circumstances, not because of our crazy circumstances, but rather because those circumstances shake our foundations. They, they reveal other things that we might be trusting in. Maybe 2020 is showing us some idols that remain in our hearts that are making the structure of our home close to collapse and clouding our vision of what Christ would have us to do. Maybe we're doing a lot of listening to the word, but we're, we're not walking it out in the midst of our difficult circumstances that we're facing. Maybe we've just put it on hold as everything else seems to be put on hold this year. Our works, they must be rooted in the word. If you guys take one thing from my testimony today, I hope it's that God's word can be trusted in times such as these and should be acted upon. I hope it's the realization that it doesn't matter, there's a realization that it doesn't matter how crazy or confusing or unstable things might seem, there is a steady foundation to put your faith in. It doesn't matter how unqualified you might feel. His words are life and wisdom to those who would listen and do them. It doesn't matter what storm might be coming if you are resting on the rock that is his word. There is nothing that will overtake you. Christ is a sure and steady foundation. And we, through all of our failures, through all of our fears and worries and inadequacies, can know that his word is true. 
His word is true. So church, build your life on it. Live your daily existence by it and let it lead you. Let it lead you. It is is my goal that just one of you, just one of you, because of the next 30 minutes, will, will get your nose back into the word so that you can fix your eyes on the one who is the sovereign king of all. Open your ears again to listen to what he has to say so that you can put your hands and feet back to what he has called you to do. That the world might know who he is and what he is like in this present age. That they would see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. That you might finally begin to let your tiredness and your weariness and your weakness in this season actually do what it's supposed to do and lead you to the feet of Jesus who is sufficient and strong to not only carry your burdens, but to use them to make you more like himself. I pray that my simple testimony this morning uh, to you as a church and you as individuals as a church who might wonder if you've done one good thing this year, might be encouraged again to repent and believe the gospel, to get up, press on, to pick up your cross and fix your eyes on Jesus and continue to be the church of God that bears his image by obeying his word in this dark and dying world. May we be a church so rooted and grounded in the love of Christ that though everything around us might be falling apart, we would not stop trusting and glorifying God in our words and our actions. My hope this morning is just to spur you on as brothers and sisters to again consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners that you might not lose heart. To remind you today that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do that we might walk in them. My hope is to encourage you not to be robbed right now of the call of God in your life in the midst of the confusion and calamity to not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but to do what it says, and in so doing, not growing weary of doing good, for in a time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. My hope is to call you to trust his word when it says, he who began a good work, he'll carry it into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And to have you here again, Christian, you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth, a city on a hill ready to be seen. So many of you have heard my story. And and again, I hope that in hearing my story again, you don't want to plug your ears. But when I was 19 years old, I I worked at this church as an intern. And I loved it. It was an awesome season of life. During that time, I began to to try and flesh out what the Lord would have me to do. I think that's where, where, what do we do as Christians right now? Where, Where are we at? I had a lot of questions. What's God's will for my life? What am I to do with what's been given to me in Jesus? And, and how do I live a life that's pleasing to God? Um, and I didn't know much. I didn't know much at all. And I still don't know much. But what I did know is that the gospel of Jesus Christ had saved me. And I didn't want to waste my life. What I did know is that God had put an undeniable burden in my heart for young men growing up without their fathers. And I knew that Uh, those unanswered questions that I have, they were found in the word and and that the word was indeed trustworthy and I could stake my life on it. I knew that. I knew that. Then one day, 
Tyson called me into his office, and we've shared lunch and just reminisced about this of like, it's just crazy, one little thing, how it changes so much. But he had gotten word that a young man in Avon, he needed a mentor. His father had left, and he wanted to know if I would be willing to jump in and help. And, and again, it, it's funny, because you don't, you don't hear that and think, oh, yeah, that's glorious. Like, it's actually pretty normal. Like, it's just ordinary. It's, it's common. It's not, it's not anything like, you know, it doesn't seem grand. Maybe not me. That'd be really hard. I don't know if I have the time. Christianity is, is walked out in the ordinary. It's walked out in the mundane. And so Tyson simply was just asking me to put some action and put some feet to what I knew the Lord had burdened me with and what he knew the Lord had burdened me with. Did I know what I was doing? Absolutely not. Did I have any answers? Not really. But I began to pray, and eventually, because, um, because I saw that I had the availability and, and, and I had clarity from what the Lord had, the scriptures had been doing in my heart, I told Tyson that I would do it. So it wasn't until a couple weeks later that uh, I was in a meeting with this boy's mother, and I actually found out that there were four boys that needed mentoring. It wasn't just one. And as a 19-year-old kid, this seemed <laughs> absurd. It seemed really overwhelming. And I remember sitting in the, the counseling office and saying to the boy's mom, Kim, I, here's, here's the deal. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no experience doing anything like this. I feel like I have nothing to offer this situation. All I can do is give your boys my time, love them, and tell them about Jesus. And I was hoping upon such a confession that, that she might reconsider this stupid 19-year-old kid uh, for mentoring and you know, working with her boys. But with tears in her eyes, she said, I think that's exactly what they need. And so, I was in their home the next Wednesday, and I began to do life with these boys. Uh, and I, I did that week in and week out consistently for about two and a half years. I just showed up. No plan, really, just showed up and, and started doing life with these boys. The Word of God led me to do this. It was the Word that led me to do this. It wasn't because I was equipped or, or really a great guy. It was the Word that led me into this. And then I headed to Louisville uh, to study at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And I, I was working on my degree uh, in discipleship and family ministry. Because again, that's, that's what I want to do, right? I was just taking a day at a time. I was living life with my church community. Uh, I was trying to be faithful in my studies and waiting tables. I loved my job. I loved my church. Uh, it was just a really incredible season of growth. A really incredible season growth that now, like, as I look back on it, I'm like, wow, that three years was of the Lord. It was, it was amazing. And um, I, I continued to mentor the boys in that season, just over the phone, and I would come visit any time that I was home. In December of 2019, I, I, we found out that the boy's mom had stage two breast cancer. And I remember one night I, I had come to visit her and she had just got done with treatments and she looked so weak and frail and the, 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 the treatments had really just done a, a number on her. And it was like almost shocking to me because I hadn't seen her since all of it started and it was like, it took my breath away. And I, I sat next to her on her bed, uh, next to her bed and, and, and 
in her suffering, we wept together as she was reveling in the reality of what Christ must have went through on her behalf. Her suffering was leading her to see, wow, what must have Jesus felt for me? And we cried and we wept together that evening. Shortly after that conversation, she called me, and I, I remember this like, like yesterday. She called me and she asked me, I was at my desk, and, and she asked me if anything were to have ever happen to her. She was sorting out her will. If anything were to ever happen to her, would you be willing to raise my boys? And I think I gave her the same speech that I gave her years before. Kim, you understand, like, 25 years old, not qualified, not married, this, this, and this. She said, you're the man for the job. And I didn't know if I believed her at that point. I didn't know if I believed her at that point, but I began to seek God. And as I weighed my options, as I weighed my options on answering the call to take guardianship of these boys, I was faced with one reality. I was outmatched, outnumbered, unqualified, and afraid. But in seeking the Lord, I knew it was what he wanted me to do. And the only reason I could say no, the only reason I could say I can't do that was to preserve my own life. It would be to preserve my own life because I was comfortable doing what I was doing. I loved where I, wa- lo- I-, I, loved where I was. I had a great community and all the time in the world to just read and be a single guy and soak up all of these things. It was awesome and comfortable and sweet. And I didn't want it to end. But the Lord would not let Matthew 16, 25 go out of my head in the days and weeks of praying and processing. It seemed like it just played over and over and over. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So in seeking the Lord all throughout Scripture, what I, what I, what I saw continually is that it's actually in losing your life that you find it. It's in laying it down that actually is how you live it well. I I was reading the Bible, and and its call was to consider others as greater than yourselves, to to love your neighbor as yourselves, and in in fact, to do to them as you would have them do to you. I couldn't deny it when it said to love one another deeply, not only in word, but in action, and that the one who has great love is the one who gives up his life for his friends, that love is the virtue of all virtues, and it requires sacrifice. I saw Jesus' example in Philippians 2, who not only calls us to this kind of life, but he modeled it perfectly for us. I couldn't miss in Scripture the call to proclaim the gospel, to do justice for the fatherless and the oppressed, to love the orphans and widows in their distress. The call to be dependent on the Lord in being the hands and feet of Jesus in the world and the manifestation of his kingdom, lights of the world and salts of the earth. As, as we show this world's Christ's magnificent love towards us. And I always say this, there's two quotes that they've stuck with me my whole life from the moment I first saw them. One is from the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You can only take with you that which you've given away. You can only take with you that which you've given away. And then Jim Elliott, who is a missionary who died proclaiming the gospel, he says, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep, only to gain that which he cannot lose. And now I did not give what Jim Elliott has given, but that, that quote spurred me on. 
And with all of these things, and with much prayer and counsel and the assurance of the word, I gave Kim my yes. I gave her my yes. And on Friday, the 12th of December, it was a normal day in Louisville. Again, I just remember it so clearly. And I got a text from Kim, and she told me that she had went to the eye doctor because she was having blurred vision, uh, and they did some tests, and they found cancer in her retinas. I didn't mention that she had went into remission in October, so we thought she was cancer-free. And this was a shock to her and and a shock to me, but they were going to do treatments, and, and they were going to get working immediately, so we weren't, we weren't too worried. That was Fridays. Sunday, I'm sitting in church right before the service starts, and I get a text from Kim that says that she went to the ER that morning, and she was having a hard time breathing. So they ran some tests, and, and they found out that uh, she not only had pneumonia, but that they had found multiple tumors on her lungs and her liver. I remember sitting in church that day, and it was just a heavy weight, a heavy weight that I wrestled with, all of that, that, all that text entailed for the days and weeks to come. And that morning at church, I began to weep and say my goodbyes to those people that I love so much. Tuesday came and I went to work. I loved my job. I loved it. I loved the people at my job. And I walked into work on Tuesday and I told my boss, I said, look, man, this isn't a two weeks notice, but at any time I could, I could have to leave. I explained why. Towards the end of my shift, Kim called me, and they had done more tests, and they found cancer had spread all over her brain, and they gave her three weeks to live. I got off the phone, and I remember I walked into the kitchen, and I literally just fell into my boss's arms, and I just wept. I didn't even finish the shift. They had other people take my stuff, and I sat in the office, and I just cried and cried and cried. From that phone call, Kim made it six days. She went home to glory on December the 23rd at noon. So in a matter of six days, I packed all of my stuff, and I said goodbye to all of these people, and I've been here ever since trying to faithfully raise these boys. It has been a crazy 11 months, the fastest 11 months I've ever experienced. It is nuts. And I have too many stories to tell. Too many, and it's, it's a jungle. But I'm just trying to continually do the ordinary ministry of motherhood, the ordinary ministry of trying to be a, a present man in their life. Nothing glamorous, and it has been hard. It has been so hard. But when I say to you today that I am so glad that I did not try to preserve my own life, I mean it. It did cost me something. And the cross is certainly heavy to bear. And it is a a thing I bear every day. But it is a blessing to carry. And it did not cost me nearly as much as I've gained in answering the call. I'm glad that I trusted God's word over my own. I'm so glad that Christ has saved me and given me a spirit to hear his word and obey it. Because in obeying it and doing what it says, there is so much life to be found. It is not a burdensome thing. It's not do's and don'ts. It is life. Life that just staying comfortable and selfish could never give us. It has been magnificent to see in the midst of the journey the Lord's provision 
His sustaining grace, His strength in my weakness, the powerful prayers of you guys being answered, His peace that truly surpasses all understanding, and the incredible life that is found in His Word that keeps sustaining us in the battle through the hardships of day-to-day life. As I open it, there's bad days where I, I just... I just don't get it, but there are days where the words that jump off of this page give me exactly what I need for that day in that moment, and it, is, it has sustained me. It has kept me the entire way. It has proven true over and over and over. And, and through all of that, in all of that, it, it, it's been amazing to see the sure and steady work of the Lord day after day, from day one until now. Just consistency over time. It's been amazing. And I, guys, I do all of this so imperfectly. I do all of this so imperfectly. You could ask my boys, and they will tell you that, that I'm like a bear if you wake me up, like, of an evening. Like, bedtime is a very serious thing. I'm like what are we doing? Why are you yelling? Ah, I'm doing this so imperfectly. I'm, I'm fighting to not lead with impatience. Many days I feel so weary to do what's in front of me. I'm trying not to lead with annoyance and, and, and still fighting my own selfish desires that are in my heart each day. But because Jesus has saw fit to live the perfect life that I could never live, to live the perfect life that I could never live, and then took the punishment for my sins on himself, dying the death that I surely deserve. He was buried and risen from the grave. I have been set on a rock and can carry on into the journey the Lord has led me in. I am now free to walk in obedience to him rather than obedience to my sin. He has set me free from it. It is because Jesus has set me free of a a life of self-centered misery and invited me into fellowship with him. I am doing this. He has freed me to do in ordinary ways. He has freed me to experience the true joy of walking with him and laying down my life for his sake. It's not because of me. It's not because I'm impressive. It is because of the word and the work of Christ Jesus that I stand here with you today. To simply say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's That sums it up. To live is Christ. So as I live, let it be for Christ. To know him, to obey him, to tell of him, to lay down my life for him. For he is certainly worth it all. And to die, gain. Gain. To be with him is better than anything this world could ever offer. Now quickly, look at Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I'm talking about obedience. I'm talking about being rooted in the word. I'm talking about the, letting the word shape your life. Guys, we cannot obey the word apart from abiding in it. 
And you're like, how's that, what's that correlation? We cannot represent him and do all these great things for him if we do not know him. We cannot love him without being loved. We cannot show love without first being loved. John 15, 5 sums it up, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But what? Apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. The tree in Psalm 1 that we read about, it's only strong because it's right by the stream. It's right by the source. And he is the source. So I cannot give these kids what I do not have. I cannot show them Jesus when I don't know Jesus. If I'm spending time with him and and, and talking with him, if I'm not doing that, how will I be able to model what he's like? And it's the same for us as a church. You see these people, we've done many mighty things. He says, I never knew you. It's about knowing him. May our works come from gazing upon his character, not hoping for our own righteousness. We are not righteousness. He has made us righteousness. We have his righteousness. So let your works come from a heart filled with worship towards him for that reality. Not from a heart trying to be good enough and to save ourselves and boasting about all that we've done. Christ offers us everything freely as a gift. And we no longer need to earn his favor and try to boast. He has given us his favor. We are his and our hope is in his accomplishment. Scariest thing for me in this season is this realization in my heart that how easy it would be for me, how easy it would be for us as a church to say, Lord, Lord, did we not? Did I not go to church every Sunday? Did I not follow you my whole life? Did I not go to seminary to study to do ministry? Did I not take on four boys? Scary. How easy that would be. He wants my heart. He wants my heart. Then he will move my actions. It's about my heart. It's about knowing him. On that day, it will not be what I have done for the Lord. It will be if I've truly abided in him while I was doing it. What will matter is that I was resting in his righteousness, listening to his word, obedient to his leading, trusting in his promises, submitting to his will, dependent on his strength, faithful to his calling. What will matter is who I am with him when no one is looking. What will matter is my relationship to him through the circumstances before me. One of repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. What will matter is if he knew me and I knew him. Oh, church, that that might be so for us, that we would seek at all times to be the people of God in the dark with him so that our actions might show forth Church, what we need in times like these are people truly abiding in Jesus, setting their hearts on him. And as we do that, as we know him, we will become like him. We cannot make ourselves like Jesus. We will become like him. Out of abiding comes fruit and obedience. Westbridge Church, go sit at the feet of Jesus and live out his word. The world needs to see Jesus, so let's go do some good for the glory of Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, use this as you will. I pray that you're glorified. I pray that you would move just one heart this morning.
to seek your face. One person to lead their family in repentance and faith. One person who's tired, Lord, give them strength. May they remember your gospel this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.